Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. And today we're talking about relationships, sort of carrying on um, on our Wednesday chat about relationships mm. after our Sunday interview that discussed that quite a lot as well uh, with Jill. Really interesting conversation. I think it uh, was called the Fig Leaf mm. on uh, their YouTube. So yeah, oh, really Jill's Jill's YouTube channel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I find that fascinating, and I think you know if if Jill's up for it, we'll get on again because there's so much to talk about, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Definitely. But yeah, for now, me and you are going to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to sort of unpack some of the things she talked about, and um, maybe ask some more questions, uh, and then we can perhaps uh, bring her back to talk about some more stuff so where do you want to start Celine? I think it'd be good to start from the beginning of a witness relationship I suppose so how Mm. they uh, see relationships and when I say relationships I don't just mean uh, romantic ones I also just mean just our relations to other people Um, so you know talking about yeah when you're just interacting with people immediately uh, there's a lot of weight put onto it. So mm. um, obviously it's very uh, heteronormative as using a, <laughs> the most polite version of this word. Um, it's, it's, it's very heteronormative in that, you know, it's uh, that there is only straight relationships. And if you are talking to someone of the opposite sex, it's decided that you are now dating. Um <laughs> Yeah, we've had this theme come through quite a bit, haven't we? Um, Jordan talked about the same mm-hmm. sort of thing with uh, with his experiences. Um, uh, again, a previous guest, Jordan Robertson. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the the idea is that um, sex is only for marriage, and uh, relationships really between men and women are generally quite problematic um, unless you are mm. actually getting married, about to get married, or are married. So. Actually, women and men are kept quite separate in many respects. I mean, some Jehovah's Witnesses would, um, I think, deny that. They would argue against that. And I understand why they would say that, because, of course, you do have um, men and women, you know, together and talking. It's not like some of the more extreme kind of traditions. But um, but you would always be very, very careful about not being in the same room with somebody on your own for any length of time, if you were of a similar age, let's say. Mm. Um, so you'd, that there would be a lot of discomfort around that. You'd, you'd always be kind of thinking about, oh, we probably need to, you know, have somebody else in this room, even if you're not remotely interested in the other person or they, you, um, there would be this feeling of discomfort. I remember that very, very well. Um, so you would, 
yeah, you, you wouldn't want to go to a home of a sister, as we, we would call women folk <laughs> in the organization. You wouldn't go around to a sister's house if she was on her own and you were on your own. That was just absolutely not done. And if you did that, um, you could find yourself um, being asked some pretty uncomfortable questions. I'm guessing that never happened to you, though. Um, no, because I was always very conscious of it. So, you yeah. know, if I went around to see a, um, a, a sister, a woman, um, Jehovah's Witness, um, I wouldn't go in the house if she was on her own, if I needed to see her or speak to her about something, which actually was quite rare because, you again, you don't have that much to do with the opposite sex, really. There isn't that many, there aren't that many reasons, really, to have anything to do with the opposite sex in a kind of interpersonal way. So your friends wouldn't be members of the opposite sex generally. Um, and if they were, then they'd normally be attached to a to a guy who was mm. your real friend. Um, and, you know, the odd occasion where there were close friendships between young men and women, often there was a bit of sort of talk about that, a bit of gossip around that kind of confusion you know that was like a bit weird really you know men and women you know they don't really they can't be mates can't be friends i mean it's that old-fashioned idea you know can men and women be just friends Mm. very very prevalent in in jehovah's witnesses so yeah men and women were kind of pretty separate i think in their lives their experiences um and that's how i experienced it anyway that's how i feel sure you could talk to men men and women could talk to each other fine but there were lots of restrictions about being alone together and being too friendly and having too much to do with each other, you know? So that's kind of when you're single. Does that continue? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely, when you're married as well. Oh, even more so, I would say. Mm. A married brother going around to a single sister's house. Big, big scandal. Big scandal. Um, that, you know, you'd have to really explain why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even workmen going around to do jobs, you know. And mm. you'd always get the um, the odd experience where, you know, sister such and such, well, you know, um, she had brother such and such round to do some plumbing. And um, they would say things like, you know, oh, well, this happened to uh, this person. So, yeah, she, mm-hmm. um, she was alone and this brother came around to do some work on a kitchen. And before you know it, they've committed immorality, you know. Um, mm. And so there was often these stories around, I mean, you know, I guess, of course, things like that do happen, and they happen in all. Just sorts to clarify, of... we don't call it immorality, though. Well, they did. Yeah, I know, but we. That's we... my point. That's yeah. my point. You know, they they would they would have a language around it. It would be immorality or fornication, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that that's what they would describe it as in the polite, um, you know, discussion about it, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was um, yeah men and women very very separate. Hmm. So relationships between men and women essentially didn't happen um, for the most part. Again, you're always going to get the odd exception. So before somebody says, "Oh yeah, I remember such and such," they were really friends. You know, yes, of course that does happen, but it often comes at a bit of a cost of having to explain. Well, you know, we've just been friends for a long time. You know, grew up as kids, and you know, blah blah blah. Um, and I think that's that's the way you'd kind of have to cope with that. But it, was, it wasn't it was the norm. Brothers would hang out together. Sisters would hang out together. Um, 
maybe they'd come together as a group sometimes and do things, but coupling off to sort of have friendships and any sort of relationship with anybody was considered to be, yeah, uh, unless you are serious and you're, you know, with a view to marriage. Um, How can be... they prove that you're with a view to marriage? Like, what if you were dating and then you decide mm. you're not right for each other? What happens? Yeah, so then then it comes down to time, really. So if you've been going out with each other for three years, then often questions would start to be asked, especially if um, the the brother. I'm I'm carrying on using these terms, brothers and sisters, and so on, because it fits what we're talking about. So you can mm-hmm. understand the culture, and we can talk about the culture. Obviously, I know this is JW talk, JW mm-hmm. speak, but it just helps me to kind of put myself back in those years and um, explain mm-hmm. it from that pers- perspective. Um, so yeah, if you've been going out with somebody, if you've been dating, actually you didn't call it dating, you call it courting generally. Mm. If you've been courting or or pairing off with somebody for a long time and you were seen as an item, um, you know, after a couple of years, if you weren't actually showing any signs of getting married, um, again the tongues will wag. So there's there's two sides of this. One is the gossip mill, and mm. there'd be plenty of that. But I suppose the more serious bit would be um, uh, maybe the elders would start to take an interest, especially for the brother. If he was a ministerial servant or a pioneer or, you know, an elder or thinking, you know, they were considering him as somebody with privileges, then if he'd been going out with somebody for a long time, they would start to ask questions about what his intentions were and whether they were going to get married and so on. Because courting or going out with somebody is not meant to be for fun it's not i mean not saying that they don't think it should be enjoyable but it's not a pastime that's the way they would describe it you know Mm. it's not a way to kind of just enjoy life it's it's a serious thing that you're getting to know somebody with a view to marriage so yeah time really it would be it would be all about that that's that's the evidence i guess that would be um brought up if there was concerns that you weren't sort of taking it seriously. No, yeah, I know. But I mean, if you two have been dating and you decide you don't want to get married, you break up, what okay. happens mm. is my um, question. Yeah, not a lot, really. Um, again, depends on how long. If you were engaged, then there'd be a bit more discussion about that. As Jill said in the interview, um, engagement is almost like being married. Mm. And going out with somebody is almost like being engaged. So everything's ramped up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's a good insight from Jill there. Um, yeah, so it, if you do stop going out with somebody, again, um, I remember from certain situations where maybe it ended acrimoniously, you know, um, then the, there would be a conversation with the, particularly the brother again, if he was a, uh, a ministerial servant or an elder, there will be conversations around, you know, what happened and who's to blame. And he may well get his privileges taken away. I, I did see that um, on occasion mm-hmm. where he would no longer be a ministerial servant. If you were like elder. seen to have led someone on or something. Yeah. If, if it was leading on, or even if you, you know, your behavior was the reason for the breakup, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so although you're not even married at that point, you know, you've got these kind of pseudo marriage counsellors, I suppose, sitting there in judgment on your behaviour as a couple. 
mm-hmm. and deciding, uh, you know, parking any sort of reference to sex or anything like that. We're not even talking about that. We're just talking about your behavior as a couple and whether you'd, um, you know, comported yourself appropriately as a, oh, my favorite, an appointed man. My favorite line from Emma, husband, comport <laughs> yeah. yourself. The best line. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, you know, as, as you said many times, it is, it is Pride and Prejudice um, for modern day, really. Yeah. Mm. Um, you don't have normal relationships with other people. I mean, I do remember, you can decide if you leave this in or not up to you. I do remember one time um, you saying to me, like, oh, I'm, I'm really glad that you and your partner aren't weird about having friendships with the with mm. people of the opposite sex. Do you remember saying that? And you mm. being I like, do, yeah. Do you I still being... feel that way. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. I still feel that way. I think it, it was, it, I, I found that really heartwarming as you were growing up. You know, you'd have friends um, who were boys, friends who were girls, and um, you would, I mean, I did when I was a, a child. Mm. Um, but now know, I have had... one of my best friends as a guy. Absolutely. We live together. You, you live in the same house, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's brilliant. You know, to be able to have people as friends who are um, members of the opposite sex or, you know, whatever gender, I think it's fantastic that that you can have that. That surely brings you an extra insight into humanity. Um, mm. So, yeah, as a, as a Jehovah's Witness, you just didn't have friends who were members of the opposite sex. I mean, I had, um, there was a, a an a uh, sister again i'm going to use these terms there was a sister that um i was quite friendly with um she but she was about nine years older than me so i guess that was on the kind of borderline of you know is that is that really acceptable and but she was she was like a big sister in many respects and that that uh, friendship never had any no one ever kind of asked us about that or but again we we wouldn't have gone into a house together on our own i wouldn't have visited her um to talk about anything on on my own or on her own the only time we spoke really is we went on the ministry together and so we talk about stuff and actually i would talk about i would often talk to her about relationships and mm. you know what girl i was interested in and um um you know stuff like that so it was kind of a nice relationship i did value that relationship and um so it wasn't like there was nothing at all but certainly um, young women, sisters of my own age, growing up in my teenage years, early 20s and so on, um, you just wouldn't really have a close friendship. I mean, texting and stuff wasn't wasn't around in those days, but I don't think I would have been texting, you know, sisters um, to see how they are this morning or, you know, what, what are you doing today or that sort mm-hmm. of conversation. I guess friends would do, um, but you just wouldn't do that Um as a witness but i am speaking a bit out of knowledge because i don't obviously I, i'm not in the no. conversation the, the way that um obviously you and mum met is that you met at yeah. a um convention no convention. i thought you met at one of the, the big <laughs> you won't say that no you must you must construct that story in your own head what, what do you think the story is then well, like, someone just interested? said that like apparently you uh saw mum and but she had her nan's ring on or something so you thought she was married um and then she wasn't so you're like oh cool and then you met 
That's what I've been told well, by other people. I don't know who's told you that because that, well, if that's true, then I don't know what happened because that's not at all what I remember happening. We need to check with mum. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't remember that at all. No, actually, well, my recollection of the story was that um, I'd I'd been visiting Warrington, which is where um, my family came from, my mum's side of the family, and I, in fact, some of my dad's relatives as well. In fact, I'd been visiting a cousin there and also a friend, um, and... Um, I think mum saw me first and, and um, thought, oh, I, I quite like the look of him, which um, I still don't understand. But anyway, she did. Um, she liked my uh, green poofy suit hair. and my my green suit, my poofy hair and my moustache, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, um, that was, but that's, I didn't really, I didn't know um, anything about Sarah at that time. Um, I first knew about Sarah when my cousin um, said, look, I've, there's this lovely girl who's mm. one of my friends called Sarah. She's absolutely lovely. And I'd really, you know, you really must meet her. Um, because I'd actually, I'd been interested in somebody in the local area and um, made a bit of a move. Um, and she basically said, look, you know, she'd actually just come out of a relationship. She actually was somebody who had uh, been engaged and um, that had fallen through. So, um I kind of, yeah, I, I kind of struck while the arm was hot, but I think I was a bit too quick, really, because she was obviously just trying to get over that relationship. Mm-hmm. So she basically just said, I'm just not ready to get into anything. And again, mm-hmm. this is partly because of the way that Jehovah's Witnesses are um, about going out. You know, if it was all very just easy, casual, not mm. problem, I don't think it probably would have been a problem. It's just that, you know, because everything's hyped up to 11 mm-hmm. stupid, then, you know, it's all everybody's stressed about it all. So basically she said, look, I, I don't really want to get involved in her. I'm happy to be friends. And and I just couldn't cope with that. So I just basically said, all right, okay, well, I, I can't do that because of the way that I feel. And so that was it. So I'd kind of, that I just ended that or that had been ended for me, I should say. Mm. Um, and then I visited Warrington and um, next few months I, I spent a bit of time up there visiting my cousin and um that's when she said oh, i've got a, you know i've got a really lovely friend she'd um she'd be great for you and um and she's a lovely girl so i'm going to invite her around um and i think i can't remember whether we actually met before but i know there was a, an arrangement made where we went to uh, alton towers mm-hmm. uh, with a few of us you know a few of the younguns younguns mm. um and i mean it was so awkward really cuz you know i knew that that there was this girl going to be there. She knew that I was going to be there. My cousin had talked about us both and she was matchmaking. So it was really kind of, it was kind of obvious that we were both kind of, you know, <laughs> in the right marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, you know, yeah, we, we kind of hit it off and um, we went on the roller coasters and um, all of that. And that's when we sort of started seeing each other. So that's that's how I recollect it. I don't remember oh, yeah. anything about rings on people's fingers, not knowing they weren't married or anything like that. Mm. So well, we, we need to follow that up. We'll get mum well, on, sure. on here. We'll and, find and out. We'll yeah. Find but out. Re- regardless, if we just go with for now your version. <laughs> yeah. Um, <I> think so. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
you uh, that's more normal than I thought or anyway because I just mm. thought you met at the weirdo convention so no I don't remember that at all um as I say I think she'd seen me at the kingdom hall um mm-hmm. so uh, I don't remember actually talking to to her or meeting her I mean she she is a beautiful woman she was a stunning young woman um so I'm sure that if I'd seen her I would have remembered that um mm. because she was beautiful she and is beautiful but you know I was a young beautiful woman and she had long very long hair when I met her she had hair that literally went down to her bottom mm-hmm. it was um completely uncut and uh she didn't wear it down very much but it was just amazing hair but yeah so that's how how we met but yeah it was it was all hyped you know there was all lots of pressure yeah no there always is but i guess um yeah it's slightly more normal though because people do go on uh blind dates don't they and they have Mm. their friends do that uh we just do tinder more now because Mm. (laughs) the world of the internet but tinder Mm. can be the worst um though it can be the worst but i it's gone quite well for my friends they've they've all ended up meeting people they like on it yeah Mm. which is good um but again, it's pretty chill. They just go, you go on a date and you see if you like each other. And if you don't, you don't carry on. That's it. Yeah. I think that um, some of the Jehovah's Witnesses have um, tried to develop, whether it's sort of software or just kind of groups on Facebook mm. or things where where it's an opportunity to meet other Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, mm-hmm. So you do see that from time to time. Um, you know, uh, how to meet other Jehovah's Witnesses and um, just little ads on it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, what I was going to say, I remember now, um, is that, so, obviously you two met um, as adults, which is good. Um, But, like, uh, a lot of the time, obviously, your dating pool is really small because you've Mm. just got the people potentially that go to your kingdom hall that you grew up at the set because you typically get with people your same age so the Mm. people that you've known potentially all of your life and the people that I've known all my life I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with because you (laughs) see each other in a very different way do you know what Mm, I mean so I mean do you have thoughts on that as to the dating scene do you think that has an effect on um like it it has it I don't know it's like high stakes again it adds more high stakes because you know when you're like oh should I date this person like we're already friends I don't want to ruin it or whatever that's high stakes enough when you're in the normal world because you're making a decision as to like if I go this step you can't go back to Hmm. what you before yeah it it all um it's it's all kind of um mixed up it's all very different so remember we said that um in my experience, and again, I really can only speak from my experience. So some might tell me it's different now. Mm. I doubt it to some degree. Um, but in my experience, whilst you might grow up with somebody, once you start to get of an age where, you know, you start to notice, um, again, matter sexual, um, then I think you do start growing apart because it's difficult to maintain that friendship you might have had as kids. Um, Because now you start to notice um, things um, that 
you hadn't noticed before. You know, oh, you know, I quite like the look of her with that dress on, or quite, you know, uh, when she laughs, it makes me feel this way, or whatever. Mm-hmm. These are all kind of confusing feelings for somebody that you've grown up with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think probably you kind of drift apart a little bit anyway during that period. Um, but for those who don't, and I'm sure there are some examples of couples who did kind of grow up in the same congregation, knew each other as kids and mm. ended up getting together. But I I didn't, I can't remember that happening um, in my congregations that I was in. So if that does happen, I didn't see it myself. Of course, it, it will have happened somewhere. But I think for the most part, what you do is you go outside the congregation. So you, you're looking for other opportunities like quick builds or building projects or mm-hmm. um you know perhaps you'll get together in a different city or you know you've got a friend who's who's got a friend in Huntingdon or in Cambridge or you know and they're having a bit of a get together and uh, you know you want to get in on that because you might meet somebody um assemblies you might volunteer to do work on the food counter as it used to be I don't know mm-hmm. if they still do that I probably don't um, or on the book counter, or you'd volunteered to do certain things, perhaps where you thought there might be a chance where you might get to chat or talk to somebody. Um, so I used to do that. Um, and, you know, you'd hope that there'd be opportunities to mm. have a, an in-depth conversation with somebody, you know? It's still, it feels really, I don't want to be rude, but it just, it feels really uh juvenile in the way that dating Mm. is treated Mm. so it's like it's both high pressure like very serious and also really juvenile in the way that when we were at school Mm. everybody would be like orchestrating things and you know the way that teenagers do except this is people like you know 18 to 20s you know early 20s because a lot of people are getting married in their early 20s in the congregations but um you know, it's people my age behaving this way. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I was doing this at like yeah. 16, you know. No, I, I completely 14, agree. 15, it is 16. Yeah, it is very juvenile. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I feel that um, that lasted quite a long time into mm. my, even when I was married, you know, attitudes towards um, relationships and, yeah, having friendships with the opposite sex or you know mm-hmm. uh, yeah all of that was, really? was yeah very yeah. very juvenile yeah very, very much so. yeah um do you think that what what do you think that has um impact on your communication as a couple so obviously you've basically never been taught how to communicate with a romantic partner and then you're like mm. literally married and it's like okay off you go um did you find communication difficult um i think think? i think because it's a different kind of communication do you know i suppose so the hardest really open the hardest bit for me was um the 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 initial kind of chatting you know chatting up as they used to call it um i i was no good at chatting up well a bit more than flirting more kind of you know how do you actually how do you actually especially if you look like you're in an assembly and you mm-hmm. see somebody you really like and maybe you're even I don't know, doing the cleaning or something, working with them and, uh, you know, you have the odd little chat about something and uh, maybe you talk about your root cause or, 
um, mm. you know, <laughs> something amazingly interesting like that. And um, and you think I really like her. Um, I'd love to see her again. Um, and that's the most horrific moment because you have to somehow say, you know, can we um, can we keep in touch? Now I wish I'd no, known wish that that's the way said, to say we, it. Can we just get a coffee sometime? You know. <laughs> Because that's out in public. That can't be. Evil. Yeah, but you'd be obviously you'd be demonstrating your interest at that point. And um, again, because of the the fact that it's all ramped up in in seriousness, I think it mm. just makes it all more all more difficult. I mean, bear in mind that you know, again, individual differences kick in at this point. So I'm sure there were some. In fact, there were some young brothers who were very cocky and um, more than happy to say, you know, can I have your phone number? love to take you out sometime i mean that did happen but i wasn't one of those guys so i was very shy i didn't think much of myself and i was very uh didn't have a lot of confidence in talking to young women so i found it really really difficult and um, i think that just it just made it worse being a jehovah's witness but it was always going to be difficult for me because of my nature Mm. um so i guess that you know that has to be said um but yeah just just something like, you know, um, it's been great talking to you. We, we need to keep in touch. You know, something like that would have been a very easy way to. Um, so my if I could go back in time and tell my younger self that's how to do it, that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't really I didn't really do any of that. Um, yeah, I found it. I found it very difficult. Mm. I can't remember if that was the question I asked or not, but that's I'm, I'm, my brain is struggling um yeah so oh no I was asking about communication oh yeah sorry yeah I was like so obviously like yeah you you uh, communication in a relationship is really important Mm. but like Jordan said as well on our interview with him um you are like chaperoned a lot of the time or someone sort of around like if you're in the house together you probably keep the door open in whatever room you're in, aren't you? So the door will be open. So any, you know, probably got mum of girl rattling about in the kitchen, just keeping an eye while you just, you know what I mean? So you're not having in-depth mm. conversations um, about uh, the important stuff. Do you know, potentially did so, is what people have said on the other podcast interviews. They said they're not going into deep things and then mm. yeah, you're meant to give eternity to each other. Yeah, I, ha- I have to say that I I didn't feel particularly like that. Um, I think there's a, you know, it depends where you are, which congregation, how strict the elders are and so on. But I felt that I had enough um, ability to communicate privately with with mm-hmm. Sarah. Um, I think... I think it was. Um, we need to get we need to get Mum to talk about her perspective. Mm. But from my perspective, I felt I didn't feel that I couldn't talk to her about things. We'd go out for a walk. We were allowed to do that. Um, if we wanted to talk to each other privately, we'd take the dog out for a walk, um, mm. or we'd go on the ministry, and that meant mostly walking. Um, or you know, yes, we we did really go in the house. Couples walking yeah. everywhere so they could talk <laughs> we, to each other. Exactly. We'd, we'd sit in the kitchen um, or we'd sit in the living room if the others were in the kitchen. So we, you know, we did have privacy, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was not enough privacy to, um, you know, do anything uh, physically, really. I mean, yeah, we'd have the odd snog on the um, on the corner of the street if we were taking the dogs out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you had to be very careful with that. I think that was probably pushing the boat a little bit further than you should, but uh, we did. And um, so, yeah, we, we we did get to talk to each other. So I think when we got married, I, I've never had trouble communicating. That's never been a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't experience, I don't remember that being an issue. It might have been for mum. We should probably um, talk I think to like you about the female experience that. of that yeah. as well. Of, um, yeah, definitely. Because that will be, I suppose, as like we said, there's the whole head of the house thing. So um, I guess there's not as much fear in that if you say something, um, you're going to do something like technically according to biblical law, that's chill. Um, yeah, and I think, it, again, it comes down to personality as well. You know, yeah. I've always been quite a, a talkative person um, mm-hmm. or talkative is the wrong word but but willing to put mm-hmm. my own point of view forward and to say what I want to say depends um, on how averse you are to confrontation I think I'd rather mm-hmm. like I'd rather put myself out than be in a confrontation um which my partner is often like don't do that if you want to do something you should do it and I'm like yeah but I don't want to have a fight about it so I'm just gonna sort of negotiate this round so to avoid the fight at all costs and obviously you've never been raised as a witness and we've always raised you to say you know put your own point of view forward so there is an element of just personality here that that is you know that is hard to disentangle from from the religion and from the way that you're raised yeah i'm i'm quite a uh worrisome anxiously person so conflict avoidance kind of fits uh, yeah. nicely into that indeed so, yeah. yeah but um yeah i not to suggest to the listeners that i'm complete pushover i do uh you know say what i i need to say when it's uh, when it's necessary but uh, yeah my line of when it's necessary is different i think to your line of when it's necessary yeah i guess i but guess that's so. the same with everybody i think if you're enjoying the podcast please subscribe it's just a click or a tap but it means that the show gets recognized as something of potential value and interest to others and it's the main way that we know people care about what we're doing so if you've not already done so please click subscribe or follow on whatever podcast app you're using thank you and on with the show Obviously, the podcast is about thinking about things differently post-leaving. And I'd like to talk about the way that witnesses are very stuck in their ways about how sex should be considered and treated. It's all about just being marital sex, and that's what's morally right. Um, So coming out of the witnesses, the, the sort of moral side of sex mentally, when you should and shouldn't be having it, how you think about that post-leaving I mean did you come through a process of originally thinking sex before marriage is sinful and now you don't care how how is that um I think I think when you when you leave you do have a quite a transition period where I mean it depends why you've left us I suppose as well you know for some some witnesses who leave um they have left because of a relationship that they've developed um, maybe outside of their marriage or before they got married or maybe they've met somebody um, outside of the organisation and so they've started a, a romantic relationship with them. So it, it really does depend, I think, on your experience and why you've left. 
Um, but I think, yeah, there's a period of, of trying to work out what you think about sex and how you think um, about sex. You know, you're raised to believe that sex is a wonderful thing designed by Jehovah um, primarily to keep the human race going, I suppose, or to, to help fill the earth. That was God's original command to Adam and Eve. Um, and so sex is a big part of that. So in that respect, it's it's um, it's designed by God. Um, he's made it to be pleasurable, but only to enjoy as a married couple. So that's that's what the way you're indoctrinated. If you're born in, that's how you see sex. It is only to be enjoyed as a married couple. But there are scriptures that talk about um, enjoying the ecstasy of sex and so on. So it's accepted that sex should be enjoyable, um, but only within the marriage bounds, if you like. Mm. So when you leave, that's where you are. Um, and I do think there's a period then where you have to make up your own mind about all sorts of things like yeah, um, relationships, whether it's okay to have casual sexual relationships, whether it's okay to sleep with somebody on the first day, you know, all those sorts of questions. And Jill talked a little bit about this, didn't she? And she, her analysis was that people kind of go one of two ways. They might either keep a lot of that sense so it's really difficult for them to think about sex in any other setting than in a marriage or they might go the other extreme which is kid in a sweet shop as jill described it where you know oh, i can do anything now and they might want to try everything and um and and her advice i think was quite good which was you know just take your time and um you don't have to if you want to do whatever you want that's absolutely fine but it's perhaps worth just thinking a little bit about what you actually want rather than what you think the world is is about. Because um, she talked about not being kind of, in a way, framed by what the the witnesses had taught you that the world was like. So if the witnesses teach you that the world is full of depravity and everybody's having sex everywhere all of the time, it's one big orgy, then when you leave, if you believe that story then that's what you think the world is. Therefore, you might think, well, that's what I've got to be like. And actually, it's, out, it's down to you how you want to behave um, and how you want to, to experience sexuality. So, yeah, don't don't feel either hemmed in by it or that you have to um, abandon all of your um, feelings about about how you used to think about sex. I think that's a, it's a journey. It's something that you have to go through. And I, I think I I definitely went through that. Do you, Do you remember going through a mental process of thinking about this or do you think it's just something that's gradually seeped in um yeah i think um i know you've spoken about this before i don't think we've spoken about it on the podcast but you've talked about kind of idealization of sex and relationships and so on and i think mm -hmm. um i think there is something there in that sex is is such a big thing for young people growing up as a as a mm. witness that it it becomes kind of the center of of everything and mm -hmm. um and so i think it's possible to over emphasize how important it actually is in relationships and so on i'm not saying that it's ever not important it's just an um, element of a relationship but it is only an element but i think jehovah's witnesses growing up probably because they're denied that relationship they probably put more of an emphasis on it than actually most people in the world do and again mm. i come back to the way that i've observed 
you know, you and your your friends and their friendships and relationships and so on. And there isn't that same intensity. Um, mm. When I when I observed young uh, witnesses and even in my own experience, going out with somebody was an incredibly intense experience, and it is all leading up to that marriage thing, mm. and therefore. Um, you are completely screwed up. You know, it is the old fashioned, you know, you're completely in love and you can't even think about anything else. You can't do anything else. You are obsessed by this person. Um, oh no, you become a we. <laughs> I hate being a we. Instead of being you and an individual, you oh, yes. we. We like this. <laughs> These are our friends. Yeah. We do this. We do that. Well, I think Jehovah's Witness couples are very much like that in their early days. You know, they, they can't leave each other alone. They can't stop holding hands. They, they have to sit next to each other all the time. They won't do anything with anybody else. They have to spend all their time together. Um, Is that when they, you're married or just when you're dating? When oh. you're dating and then in the early days of marriage, I think. Mm. Um, but particularly when you're, in, when you're dating and when you're engaged, you're like literally stuck to each other all of the time. And I think that's mm. one of the things that I found really interesting about the relationships I observed then after when I left, including mm-hmm. the way that you and your your friends um, did things like dating, was that the intensity, although, of course, you have intense love for each other, um, that, that almost um, dissolution of your own self isn't... I didn't see that. You know, I didn't see you disappear into a couple... I saw that you, you know, you had somebody very special that you love and that you care about and that you want to spend time with, but you're able to spend time apart and there's not a big kind of, oh, what's going on, you know, oh, terrible, 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 you know, it's, of course you miss each other and you want to be together, but not all the time. And it felt like as a Jehovah's Witness growing up with young couples, that was what it was like. It was like total obsession, besotted with one another. That's what you saw. Until they get married, then, yeah. Oh, you get Twitter-pated. Bambi. Yeah, what? <laughs> Twitter-pated. I mean, have you never seen Bambi? No idea what you're talking about. They're just like, there's uh, the rabbit and Bambi, obviously the deer, yeah. like talking yeah. to each other and he's like, they're watching all of their friends go off with, you know, because it's, it's spring. <laughs> so they go off with another, um, you know, they're all going off with their little partners and they're like right. we're not going to do that they're twitter pasted i see oh wow cool. mm. well, yeah exactly. exactly and then they do <laughs> and again i think that's quite an old-fashioned view isn't it uh, maybe that again this is what jehovah's witnesses are like i don't know 40 years behind the rest of the world it's like this intensity it's all about that relationship uh, until they get married and then then obviously then it just gradually you settle into your kind of humdrum existence of knocking on doors, going to meetings and um, yeah, just, Mm. uh, just living your own lives, you know? So I think that's, that is, yeah, absolutely part of the, part of the gig. So it's interesting that I hadn't really thought about that before, but yes, that's, um, that's definitely. uh, And when you said about immature, again, this, this comes down to that. I think it is very immature. Mm -hmm. Your relationships are so intense it's like, well, yeah. you know, puppy love, really. Well, I guess the thing is, like, when you're, like, 14, 13, 14 at school, you, hmm. um, I'll do this in air quotes for the, you know, this is in air yep. quotes for those who are listening. Um, you you have boyfriends and girlfriends who are, like, you date, but you're not, it's not really, like, you just 
hold hands yeah. with each other and you hug each mm. other and you sort of spend a bit more time than before but you do that as teenagers mm. when you kind of get that aspect of it out of your system yeah. i guess of just that yeah. and then real dating commences as an adult yeah and um, I, I think that's right you just don't do any of that as a witness it is all mm-hmm. it is it is very childish actually um mm. i think yeah cool what about um do we want to move on to this question of um leaving jehovah's witnesses when you've got a romantic partner yeah so obviously you left before mum that um is something that does happen because they have what is called divided households um so like you know what does that i guess uh not talking about that aspect massively though that would have an aspect an impact on your relationship i don't know how that works um well we can talk a, a bit about that as well yeah i mean does does that work it must work for people because some people they do that for years and years or they just do that forever they live in a divided household yeah so i think that uh, it would be perhaps quite interesting actually to get a guest on um who has experienced that that would be quite mm. an interesting um conversation i mean one or two of our guests have had parents who whose one of the parents was a witness if it mm. wasn't um yeah i think it must be quite difficult from a romantic perspective because the, the whole stuff that you are being taught is that you know all the bad people are going to get destroyed at armageddon which basically means anybody that's not a witness mm. so that means that that woman that you're sleeping with or that man that you're sleeping with they're going to die soon at armageddon um now if you don't like them very much, then maybe that's great because you think, well, I'll it's be a shot of them. <laughs> yeah. mm. I'll find somebody else then. Um, mm. But I would thought, I would have thought, if you know, if you loved that person, then that must be really difficult for you. I to... I guess that's how, like, when you impart your cognitive dissonance, and you. I was just going to say that is absolutely things. yeah. yeah. Um, so I think there is that uh, when you're, but when you're leaving. Then, mm. if you're married to somebody, um, let's go with that. Because I think if you're dating somebody and you leave, it'll probably end. Right it'll probably now. fizzle out. But if you're married, then you're not allowed to get divorced, are you? As a witness, can't get divorced. Really? Well, obviously, if you're leaving, you can you can initiate that divorce if you want to. Um, but the the other party wouldn't possibly want to do that. Although this, it's very complicated. It depends on very much i think on the advice you're getting from the local elders there's this thing called spiritual um or i can't remember what what they call it now but the idea is that if if you're married let's say the guy decides he doesn't want to be a witness anymore and he 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 leaves maybe he disassociates himself and then the woman you know she might decide that spiritually she cannot remain in that household because he's not a he's not taking the lead but also he's um you know he's he's actively trying to stop her and her children maybe from be, being jehovah's witnesses and i have known it where some have left the family home because he's he's left mm-hmm. he stopped being a jehovah's witness therefore she's gone and taken her kids because she doesn't want to be in the same house and i i do know that that has happened on occasion um which seems to be breaking the rules really from jehovah's witnesses own perspective um, so it can cause some really difficult times. I mean, it, it potentially could have been very difficult for us as it happened. Um, and again, we'll get mum on to talk about her story. But she, um, 
you know, uh, says now that she really never believed it properly, but she didn't want to just leave when I did because she didn't want it to be seen as though she was only leaving because I left. So mm. that was kind of complicated, but we never had any arguments, never had any differences and so on. But I, I can imagine that must be quite difficult. I suppose it would difficult. be different if you were with somebody that was very spiritual. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I think it's in, um, it's either in just Lloyd Evans' story or he mentioned it also when he was on our podcast. Um, but it's definitely, I think, in his YouTube story where he was saying his wife was like, even before they were married, like, oh, if you mm. ever, you know, don't choose Jehovah, like, yeah, I- I'll stop loving you. Like, that would be it. That's like, right. Bye-bye. That would be the only reason why I wouldn't I would stop loving you. Yeah, and absolutely. And that is, mm. you know, very much the way that you're meant to feel that, that is your number one relationship. You and Jehovah, number one relationship. And then your marriage, you know, comes after that. Um, mm. So, yeah, if, if you decide to leave, then then the marriage is in is in danger. I guess the other the other problem to a relationship is that if you're leaving, then I mean, one, one thing I felt, which I'll I'll talk about was and you know, I'll talk to mum about this as well was there was a period when I left that I, there's a song by um, Talking Heads. Um, what's it called? Something of a Lifetime. I think I forget what it's called now. But anyway, there's a line in it where he says, you know, I wake up in this beautiful house with this beautiful wife. And I ask myself, how did I get here? Um, mm. And I, I didn't have a beautiful house. It's nice enough, but it wasn't a beautiful house. But I did have a beautiful wife and I had a beautiful kid. Um, And I had a life that was actually pretty good. Um, But it felt like not my life. Mm. It felt like somebody else's life. It felt like old Steve's life. And it wasn't my life. So this guy had made all these choices. He'd got married. He'd had a child. He'd, yeah, made all those choices. And for me, they weren't Mm. my choices. They were his choices. This guy that didn't exist anymore. And there was a period where I struggled with that a lot. And I think that was a rocky period of our marriage because it was like, you know, what, what do we want out of life? What do I want out of life? You know, is, how can I, how can I grab hold of my life again? <laughs> was mm. was the difficulty, um, and it took it took a long time. Um, I think I'm really grateful that we worked through that, but that was difficult. And I think that's something that obviously, again, I can only really speak from my own experience. But I think that's something that I wouldn't be surprised if other people experience too. You know, you're a young man. You you have no experiences with the opposite sex. You get married. Before you know it, you've got child or children. You've got a life. And then when you leave, it feels like it's somebody else's. Um, and this comes back down again, I think, to this discussion we've had many times on this podcast about identity and creating a coherent story from your previous to your current life. And I think I at that point, I hadn't been able to do that. So I did see the old Steve and the new Steve as two different people. Now I I integrate those so that I see me as that same mm. person. I think in those early days, 
that was what was going on. And so it was really, it was really a difficult time, really strange time. And, you know, it's something that perhaps mum can talk about from her perspective, how she felt about it. I think it's difficult because you have, it's always going to be difficult to um, relationships post leaving, regardless of new ones or the ones Mm. that continue like you know continue relationships that continue from the past to now is that you're going to be different no matter what but we're always changing so it's you know you either grow with people or you grow apart and that expedites that process I suppose yeah and I think um uh, there's other elements as well I suppose the other other things include like all the you know uh, again this probably idealizes things a little bit but but when you start a relationship you, you often think or as you're thinking back to the time when you did start a relationship, you think back to the happy times, you know, oh, we met there and we did this and we did that and so on. And of course, there's always some of that. But when you've left the organization, a lot of your memories are revolved or revolve around being a Jehovah's Witness. So, you know, where did I first have our long talk and where did, how was that? And, you know, um, what are the memories that I remember from our dating, our courtship, if you like. And a lot of those revolve around going to meetings, going to families, houses that now don't really have anything to do with me anymore. Yeah, they'll talk to me because I'm not disfellowshipped, but you know, there's a very limited amount of contact. Um, even family that, that perhaps don't have anything to do with me anymore. And all of that is wrapped up in those early happy times. <laughs> um, mm. And so it can, I think that can be another difficult, element for it um so again you have to come to terms with all of that and uh, not idealize it because actually everybody's got some difficult times when they first got together and it's not all you know sunshine and rainbows um so yeah i think that's that's another part of of your coming to terms with the new situation you know i remember at school as well was another thing that was discussed was like oh yeah there's honeymoon phases but then if you uh, you'll fight a lot and then if you get over that then then it will work is what was discussed i remember that yeah. being advice that was given around but it's fairly true even you know pretty decent advice as as far as kids go um yeah i mean i think it's it's probably particularly good as for witnesses because i mean yeah your, your honeymoon period is literally your honeymoon you know the time when you first mm-hmm. literally the first time you have spent um the night together i don't just mean sleeping together i mean Mm. just literally spending the night together and getting up in the morning and it's just you and her or you and him and um you know planning your day together what we're gonna do today imagine that you've never done that before really you know not not on your own you've never said right what are we gonna what are we gonna eat today what are we gonna you know what entertainment are we gonna do today what where are it's we going to go? What are we going to do? It's just, yeah, none of that you've kind of done together. And, you know, obviously that's quite exciting, but it's also, yeah. You can soon find that you just do not like the same things. You are not interested in the same stuff. You know, you want to stay in, till, in bed till 10 o'clock. They want to get up at 7 o'clock. All these little things, which I guess, you know, everybody experiences. But I think it's, again, it's just increased the level um, because you've had no real experience of each other. Mm. Uh, but yes i guess um leaving um is particularly difficult if you are if you've already got a relationship and i know lots of people many do break up um 
also many do stay together and um, I'm happy that we managed to stay together I think obviously you being around helped that tremendously mm. so having a child means that it's much more difficult to say oh well you know let's um let's this, this happened because we were witnesses let's go with something else you know that that it's not as easy is it when you've got a child um mm. so I think that definitely helps but but it's not it's not it's not easy I would say it was that was the most difficult time of my life and um yeah our life as a couple I think but we're good now you know it's um it's it's for us it's been worth the effort we look back on it now and we you know we can think about 27 or 28 years together and that's that's we're pretty proud of that I think yeah it all worked out in the end in the end it did (laughs) all right okay shall we um shall we leave it there then for now relationships I think so yeah Um, okay we'll come back at some point with mum but yeah, for now, that'd I be think good. Put that, put that away. Cool. Um, so, is it time for dancing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> tweet of the week. 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 So, what are we going to talk about on Tweet of the Week then? So, there's a couple of candidates that have popped up for me. Is there anything that you want to highlight on Tweet um, of the Week? My favourite Tweet of the Week was when Jan, Dr. Yanya Lalic uh, encouraged everyone to do a review. <laughs> That's my favourite. Yeah. And guess what, guys? Do a review. <laughs> If you're listening to this on Apple right now, yeah. go onto the podcast. You scroll down, right? I'm going to tell you how easy it is. I'll, I'll open it up myself. All right, here we go. So you go on to what should I think about? You, you see all the episodes listed. You scroll right to the bottom. You'll see ratings and reviews, and you'll see tap to rate. So you mm. tap, and off you go. You can, yeah, you, you have to be in the shows part of the screen. If you're in the yeah. play now bit, you don't see that bit at the bottom. It's a bit confusing, but stick with then, it. It's really yeah. kind of. And then you, you know, can click at the bottom, yeah. write a review, That's and you right. can write a review. So you can just do stars if you want to, um, which but is which is cool. But reviews do um, help us a lot more. We've had a few more star ratings since. Uh, Dr. Yanya Lalich um, encouraged our call out, so that's good. But we'd love to see some more of your lovely reviews. Yeah. Um, it really does help as well with growing the podcast. But yes, there's my cheeky yeah. plug. Absolutely. And if you have done a review and have not mentioned it yet, then bear with us because um, we don't always get to see them straight away. Um, Apple have a strange sort of way of um, doing it in regions, so I don't think we get to see all of them. I need to um, log in as a slightly different mm. region uh, we need to have a look at that but it's um it's a bit frustrating that we don't get to see all of them but we it does really help so please it, please, it please, really please. really helps yeah okay great that was a great uh tweet of the week um mm-hmm. right can i talk about something else is it another so tweet of the week it's another tweet of the week there's a couple of questions people raised yeah so the tweet of the week this week is from larchwood and Larchwood is referring to 
one of the convention talks that was given by Tony Morris. And his tweet was, Tony Morris, convention talk, recounting the Noah story where God made the first ever rainbow. Mm. Literally. I thought this must be a new thought. I didn't remember believing this when I was a JW, so I checked my book of Bible stories. How did this not bother me more at the time, he says. (laughs) So, Larchwood, you must have been paying attention to your Bible studies because I remember this massively. And he points to the picture in the, I think it's the Bible story book, although that picture doesn't look like it. Anyway, it says, the first rainbow. Do you know the first thing Noah did when he and his family came out of the ark? He made an offering or gift to God, which but incidentally means he slaughtered an animal and burnt it. Um, He made an offering or a gift to God. You can see him doing this in the picture below. Noah offered this gift of animals to thank God for saving his family from the great flood. Yeah, so we've just um, lost those massive potential uh, flora and fauna. And the first thing they do is slaughter one of the animals. Um, And then the rainbow comes out. So I was taught as a kid that um, Jehovah created the very first rainbow as a reminder to never flood the earth again. Um, Just, you know, a little post-it to remember not to murder, (laughs) mass murder the whole world. mustn't forget it's like 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 tying something around your little fingers oh right that's it yes i said i would never no but he didn't say he wouldn't slaughter everybody just he wouldn't drown them ah yes because he is going to slaughter them later with fire with fire or whatever but not with water so we're okay we won't be drowning turns out God's a, God's a nasty liar and global warming and rising tides is is happening. So, lol. But anyway, yeah. Well, um, okay, so I replied saying, I seem to remember it was explained to me that there was no rain before the flood, hence no rainbow. So that's what I remember being told. There was no rain before the flood because, and we had a little chat about this on Twitter, everybody I love this conversation, by the way. I had a great time. We really got into the weeds. Mm. Um, but I, re- I was told, um, and I'm sure this was in the literature, um, that the flood um, was actually the water canopy. When God created the earth in Genesis, there's a way of interpreting that that sounds like um, God, not just that he created clouds and stuff, but he actually created this, what was called the water canopy. So imagine uh, the earth in space Mm. and you can't see all the blue earth. You can't see all the continents because there's this like water canopy encircling the earth. So you've got this this covering of water um, and it's that water canopy that God essentially brought down to the earth when Mm. the flood happened. So before the flood, there was no rain. Um, there was a dew that used to rise in the morning and that was what would feed the plants and or allow the plants to, to drink. And animals would have to obviously drink the dew somehow. Um, so there was no rain. No rain. Um, so somebody said, I seem to remember the same thing and I would have been in the Borg from the early 1970s until 1986. That's Marion Lockwood calls it the Borg, which is very common <laughs> Mm. um ali ali miller one of our friends from the guest from the podcast said it always bothered me and also bothered me why 
they were still there because if it was God's way of telling Noah he wouldn't bring the flood again, then why did he need to keep telling him? Such a stupid story. <laughs> so, yeah, good point. Um, Larchwood replies, yeah, every time I water the garden and see a rainbow in the spray, I think how loving that the Almighty will not smite humanity by drowning ever again. <laughs> That's nice of him, isn't it? Um, another one of our favourite guests, Mentally Diseased, says, I never thought twice about the rainbow thing, but the water canopy, lol. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a hell of a cognitive dissonance loop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I seem to remember there's a picture in the old Paradise book. So before the um, before the Live Forever book and before the Bible Story book, there was like a pinky mm. colour book called, well, you call it the Paradise book. And it wasn't all the beautiful colour pictures that they were later. But I'm sure there was a picture of the earth with this kind of watery sort of covering around it. I'll have to mm. see if I can find that. Um, David Michael Wright says, first thing, he made an offering of animals. Really? Now that's taking dumb to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> May as well have gone the whole hog and torched the ark, contents and all, to show his appreciation on arrival. <laughs> Mm, uh, Michelle says, like, did he pack extra or make species extinct? Uh, so that was that was really funny. I, that's what I was thinking <laughs> as well. But there we are. Um, Larchwood does make the point that it, um, if it was a sheep, they were taken in sevens or seven pairs. So they had quite a few sheep. I don't know about the evil ones. Maybe they chose the evil sheep. Why did um, they take sheep in so many? Yeah. Just really love sheep. Well, they were clean animals, weren't they? Because even though clean and unclean animals weren't a thing yet, the clean animals went in sevens rather than twos, as Larchwood says. Yeah, so um, in the Bible, animals are are categorised into clean and unclean. Mm. Sheep are clean um, and others are Why? unclean. For, I think it does go into it, but these are these are laws given to the Israelites, so which, which wasn't actually... Uh, in force yet they hadn't obviously this is right early on this is before these relights mm. so yeah why that was a thing we don't really know um, this used to bother me Riley another one of our guests this used to bother me as a child it never made sense to me that rainbows never existed before the flood yeah so lots and lots of stuff around that it was very entertaining and it just gets more and more <laughs> More and more bizarre. And I know it's not just Jehovah's Witnesses who have this um, no. kind of literal belief that a flood actually happened, but it doesn't take much, um, you know, thinking about to show that it, well, it's kind of ridiculous. Well, if you want to uh, go read more of that, um, the thread will be in our Twitter, I am sure. Yes. So go have a have a venture. Yeah. Well, it's actually in the Steve or Sheep um thread so i tend to interact mostly with my own twitter account which is at steve or sheep that's s-t-e-e-v-i-l sheep um and so yeah contact connect with me if you haven't already um so yeah by all means have a look at that thread there's quite yeah, a lot of well, dad stuff. runs the twitters and i run the instagram but the instagram is is not the same in terms of interaction because obviously it's more picture based so you can comment yeah. Um, and DM and stuff, mm. but yeah, um, feel free to comment on those or DM via there if you don't have Twitter. We can we can cheekily have uh, if you're really good 
if you have a really good comment on the Instagram, you can sneak into the tweet of the week section. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, so um, that's tweet of the week. Thank you very much. Tweet of the week. 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 Uh, that's that good okay well that was uh, that was very interesting i think i found i found that i think we both found that um quite difficult i find it difficult to talk about because it's about relationships and um mm. you know some of it's quite personal actually so i hope you stuck with us and i hope you enjoyed that discussion Mm-hmm. Um, if you've not already heard Jill's interview, then um, please make sure you catch that. It uh, by the time you hear this podcast, it should have just come out on the Sunday. So, yeah, yeah in an attempt to um, to be organised and look like we don't just throw this show together, we've synchronised these. So we have Jill first on the Sunday, and then on the Wednesday we have our discussion. So hopefully exactly. that um, that makes sense. Cool. So don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. If you do fancy being a patron, that would be fabulous. Um, Please consider being a patron. There's a lot of different levels and you can even do it for a pound. So that would be fantastic. Don't forget there's merch. So uh, the Evil Sheep t-shirts, I think, are pretty cool. To be honest, we get virtually nothing from them financially, but I just would love to see the whole nation wearing evil sheep t-shirts i think they're really cool and they're quite understated so you can kind of show your colors a little bit without being too uh too bold so uh, yeah you can even get ones that don't say evil sheep so um, yeah they've just got the logo yeah, just got the logo and if you want other designs let us know and uh we can always have a crack at that all right thanks great guys. see you next time bye bye what should i think about is an evil sheep production 